Good morning, Fellowship Greenville. It's good to see those of you that are here with me in Auditorium One. You're looking good this morning. Those, all right. <laughs> Mike is always going to thank thank me if I say he's looking good. But uh, those of you across the hall in Auditorium Two, so good that uh, that you're able to join with us. And those that are joining us online. Welcome. By the way, if this is your first time with us, um, welcome. Uh, we have a welcome center out in the Commons area, and if you drop by there, there'll be some friendly people. I think they have a little uh, gift package for you, and uh, they can answer any questions that you might have about our church. One of the things that we would want you to know about us is that uh, most Sunday mornings, if you attend here on a regular basis, you'll find that we are teaching our way through uh, whole books of the Bible, and we've been working our way through the Gospel of John for uh, over a year. We're getting very close to the end, but um, this is a different kind of morning because this morning, it's, I, I want to lay out our vision uh, for the future of Fellowship Greenville. This is something that the elders have talked a lot about. We've prayed a lot about it for a long time. And now we are actually moving from what could be to what will be, and we are excited about how God's been working and how the Spirit has been leading in all of this. And to unpack it all for you, I need to do it this way. I want to talk about two streams of discussions that have been running side by side with each other uh, for years now, and how those two streams have actually merged into one stream to make possible what I'm about to share with you today. And I know that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, but it will by the end of, uh, of the morning. So let me begin with um, uh, stream number one. Uh, you know, one of my greatest joys is getting to meet new people who uh, go through our new members class. And ever since I've been here, I've been here now 25 years, but since the very beginning, we've had these new member dessert nights where Karen and I tell our faith stories and, and, and we tell about our journey in ministry and, and how God has led us here to Fellowship Greenville. And we're able to meet all the new folks who've decided to make uh, Fellowship their home. And at the end of that time, there's always a question and answer time and people ask questions about the church. And for 25 years, there's been one question that consistently comes up on a regular basis and for 25 years, I've always answered that question in exactly the same way. People typically will ask, where do you see fellowship in five years? And it's a great question. And again, I've always answered it the same way. And I'll say, I hope we're doing exactly what we're doing now, just more of it, more effectively with more people. That's my answer, and I'm, I'm sticking to it. And so uh, what I'm about to share with you this morning is a way that we can do more of what we're doing more effectively with more people and play a significant role in advancing the gospel here in the upstate and beyond. Um, what I'm about to share with you is about how we can export our fellowship DNA by planting more churches in the upstate. And we've done it once with City Lights Fellowship, and by the way, they're doing really well. Oliver Wong, their lead pastor, comes to our um, Thursday pastors meetings, and so he joins with us in that. And uh, City Lights is looking at a bright uh, future. We're very involved with them. I 
have informally been mentoring him, Rob Marks, as well as other staff members. But uh, we want to do more of that in the future. Now, let me just stop here and push rewind. As a young pastor, I was mentored by a man named Robert Lewis, who was then the directional leader of Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And just so you know, basically everything that we do here in this church in terms of our DNA and our philosophy of ministry has come from Fellowship Little Rock. And I don't know when it was exactly, I think about 20 years ago, 1999, something like that. Fellowship Little Rock started a church planting residency program and they brought in young men who wanted to plant churches and those men spent a year in a residency program at at Fellowship Little Rock, and they were coached and they were mentored uh, to do successful church plants. To date, uh, Fellowship Little Rock has trained over 116 men, and Fellowship has planted over 100 churches across the country, and that network of 100 churches has planted uh, another 200 churches nationally and internationally in Fellowship Little Rock. They, they started in Little Rock, went to Memphis, and then to Nashville and to Knoxville, all the way into North Carolina, to Raleigh, and in Asheville. And if you've been around here a while, some of you remember Jonathan North. Uh, that's where Jonathan North was. And, and Mark Moody, if you remember him, Mark Moody and Jonathan North, both former uh, pastoral staff members here, they went through the residency program at uh, Fellowship Little Rock, and I know lots of other people that have been through that program as well. And this residency program and all the churches that were planted out of it became what is known as Fellowship Associates. And we are a Fellowship Associate Church, the only fellowship church that wasn't a plant from Fellowship Little Rock, but we're more of a repurposed church where as a Baptist church, we kind of morphed into a fellowship style church. And so for a long time, I've wanted our church to have a residency program as well. And again, that would be one way we could help train the next generation to continue to do this kind of church and create this kind of culture uh, in churches uh, across the upstate and beyond. Now, our DNA is this. In terms of preaching, we are more expositional than topical. In terms of worship, we are more participatory in worship than just uh, performance-based and spectator. We're more leadership. Uh, when it comes to leadership, we're more team-oriented than hierarchical. And in ministry, we're more equipping-focused than event-focused. And in decision-making, we are more what we call pneumatic or spirit-led rather than pragmatic. That's our DNA. It's what makes us tick. It's what shapes our culture here in this church, and it's one reason why you're here, but you probably don't even realize that. Again, for a long time, I've wondered what it would be like if we had a residency program modeled after Fellowship Associates and what it would take for us to get there. And a couple of years back, uh, before COVID, Rob Marks and Todd Devaney and Todd Milby, who used to be on staff here, uh, back, uh, you know, when I was a young pastor, but Todd was on staff here. Now he runs an organization called Catapult, and then we have them under contract, and they help us with lots of special projects. But Rob and Todd and Todd and I had a Zoom call with my friend 
Bill Wellens, who used to work with Robert Lewis as a teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible in Little Rock, but now Bill Wellens is the director of Fellowship Associates. Anyway, a couple years back, the five of us had this Zoom call, and we talked about what it might look like to start a residency program, kind of like Fellowship Associates. And it was a great conversation, fuel fuel the fire, uh, to kind of get us really moving forward to explore what could be. Of course, the big question was, how do we do something of this magnitude with everything else we got going on? And so what would happen is we would talk about it, we would pray about it, and we would get some traction, but then there would be urgent things that would come up and we had to put our future plans on the back burner, and when the tyranny of the urgent passed, we would, we would pick it back up again. And then COVID hit, or as Zeke Brush calls COVID, he calls it the 19. So the 19 hit and it was all put on the back burner again. But sometime early last fall, I met with Todd Milby and I said, we got to reheat this whole thing with a residency program. And he said, do you want me to take the ball and run with it? And I said, yes, absolutely, let's do it. And so we hit the ground running. And we've now come up with a philosophy and a strategy. It's all being, it's still being tweaked and it's being fleshed out. But our mission statement is this, and, it, and it's our desire to raise up the next generation of church leaders with the character and competencies to sustain them for lifelong ministry. It's our desire to raise up the next generation, a new generation of church leaders and equip them with the character and the competencies to sustain them over lifelong ministry. Now, if you know anything about church ministry and men and women who uh, are going into church ministry, I'm just here to tell you it is really hard. And a lot of young adults go into ministry with very idealistic views and they get into it, and whether it's in the church or whether it's on the mission field or whatever, and then two or three years into it, when it's harder than they thought it would be, they're like, what, what, what was I thinking? I had no idea that it would be this hard. And sadly, many of them drop out. I mean, it is. It, ministry is just plain hard. You, you're, there's a spiritual warfare that wants to take people out of ministry. And there are lots of things that take people out of ministry. And so this whole idea of raising up and equipping the next generation of church leaders with the character and competency to sustain them for a lifetime of ministry, that's what this residency program is all about. And we've come up with a name for it. We're calling it the Upstate Church Collective, or the Collective for short. Elders are 100% on board, and we're all very excited to see what God is going to do in the future. So when people ask the question, so Charlie, where do you see fellowship in the next five years? My answer is still the same. My answer is I hope we're doing what we're doing right now, just more of it, more effectively with more people. But our vision for that is expanding beyond what's happening here on Sunday mornings. And our desire is to move outside the walls to expand beyond this campus and export export fellowship DNA by raising up a new generation of church leaders who will do church in a similar way to us, at least philosophically, um, and and, uh, plant churches and partner with churches to do this through this upstate church collective. Now, by the way, we're not just talking about training lead pastors and church planters because new churches 
need trained worship leaders and children and student pastors and executive pastors and care pastors. I mean, and we've got a great staff here and we've got lots of, we've got resources to train people in all of these areas. So this residency program won't just be for lead pastors and church planters. It'll be for men and women who are sensing God's call into lifelong ministry and we wanna help give them a foundation for that. However, there is one more thing I need to add here that does have to do with training lead pastors and church planters. Because you see, one of the things that has had me kind of stumped in thinking about all this was when it comes to training younger men in preaching and leading, it's hard to figure out how we can do that here. Um, like a residency program like we're talking about, it has to be an experiential environment. It can't just be teaching pastoral and preaching skills in classroom settings. No, these guys need to actually do it and get their hands dirty, so to speak. But that's really hard in our context because we can't just put guys up here on Sunday mornings to learn to preach. They need smaller environments for that. And so way back, I also started to talk with Jason Malone about all this. Now, Jason has been the lead pastor at Summit Church for 15 years. And before starting Summit, Jason was on staff here for 10 years. He was our student pastor, and he also became known as our pastor of announcements. And um, I've been meeting with Jason pretty much every month uh, since he left. And so we're great friends. We have a lot of history together. We have a lot of commonality in how we think about ministry. And, uh, and the DNA of Summit and fellowship are very complementary. And so he's been a part of this discussion for a long time. In fact, Summit has practiced gospel saturation by multiplying churches from the time that they began, and they have done a great job developing young leaders because they've had four campuses, one time five, that they can put these people in and train them and equip them. And so Summit was actually farther along than us with a residency type program. But Jason hits the same bumps as me. And, and that bump is, well, how do we grow something of this magnitude with everything else going on? And so for a long time, Jason and I have been talking about what it, would, what it might look like if we, uh, if Fellowship and Summit partnered together with this whole thing. Like by entering a visionary partnership with Summit, we could put men who feel called to plant churches in smaller congregations like those four uh, Summit campuses. So again, there's been a lot of discussion and prayer going on as we ex have explored what could be. And I tell you, it's been an exciting, it's been an energizing journey with all kinds of what ifs and ahas along the way. Now, if, uh, about this time, if, if, you're, if you're following along with me and you're thinking with me, there should be a question that pops into your mind. And that question is, okay, so what's changed? What's changed? Like Charlie, you said that you've, you've had a desire to do this for years, but it really never got traction because of the daily demands of ministry in this church. So, so what's changed? How, how is it possible now when it wasn't possible in the past. 
And that's a great question. And to answer that question, I got to switch to stream number two. The stream that's been running side by side with uh, all this talk and, and prayer about a residency program. So, stream two. About five years ago, the elders started to talk about succession. And we were at a retreat up somewhere in North Carolina, and Art Ringer, our former executive pastor, who I had the great privilege of working with for 19 and a half years, Art announced that he would be retiring in two years, and so this whole topic of succession was on the agenda to discuss. But actually, it had been something we had been talking about for quite some time, because we had talked through a plan for me. Uh, the what if Charlie gets hit by a bus plan? And uh, you know, like how does the church continue to move forward if I was suddenly taken out of the picture? And I'm telling you, we talked about this so much, I finally asked, can I die some other way? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I mean I'm just, I just feel run over by all this. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we had worked on that plan and we had worked it out and, I, and we felt you know, like in a church like ours with shared leadership, if something did happen to me, this church would be far in a far better place than a lot of churches because we do have a team-oriented approach to ministry. Anyway, we had worked all that out, but with Art's upcoming retirement, the elders wanted to know what I was thinking about retirement. And I said, I wasn't. <laughs> so like, like for me personally, I never thought about retiring because I didn't feel called into ministry to retire from ministry. And I know some do, and that's great. And, uh, and I might change my mind you know, later on, but, but I, I love what I do, and I wanna keep serving as long as I'm able. But I do understand the need to bring on a younger man to take my place at some point. And my hope has always been that um, we could bring in a younger man and I could stay on in a pastoral role of some kind, like teaching pastor, maybe or maybe even the director of the not yet fleshed out residency program, kind of like Bill Wellens did when he stepped out of his pastoral role at Fellowship Little Rock and became the director at Fellowship Associates. So we talked a lot about that, and the elders asked me to work on a plan to that effect that we could put in place by the time I was 70. Well, to make a long story short, I have an acquaintance uh, an older pastor, uh, his name is Larry Osborne, and Larry has been the lead pastor at North Coast Community Church in California. He's an author and a conference speaker and a very, very wise man, very wise leader. And I knew that, I don't know, about 15 or 18 years ago, Larry brought on a younger pastor named Chris Brown who came on as a, a second teaching pastor. And I knew that something had changed because I noticed that Chris Brown was preaching just a little bit more than Larry, and I sensed that something was going on, so I got curious, and I called my, my uh, doctor, longtime doctor of ministry friend, Chris Dolson, and I've talked about Chris uh, quite a bit, because uh, he and I are great friends, and he has been the lead pastor at Blackhawk Community Church in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and, and Chris is a very, very close friend of Larry's. And so I texted Chris and I said, do you think that Larry would, would uh, talk with me about succession? And Chris said, he texted me back and said, Larry doesn't believe in succession. And I said, okay, all right, do you think Larry would be willing to talk with me about whatever he's doing with Chris Brown? 
And Chris texted back, sure. So he sends me his contact information and I immediately text Larry and introduce myself and I ask if we could talk about succession or whatever he's doing with Chris Brown. And Larry texted me right back in an hour uh, we, later, we had this long, very insightful phone conversation, and this is what he told me. He said, I never got in, into ministry to retire, which sounded kind of familiar to me. And, um, and he said at, that North Coast had adopted a, a, a partnership model of ministry similar to like partners in a law firm or an accounting firm. Like North Coast has an executive team made up of four partners and Larry was the managing partner and they brought Chris on about 18 years ago as one of the partners. And Larry said that a couple of years ago they made a transition where Chris became the managing partner and Larry didn't step out, he stepped aside and became a partner. And Larry said that the uh, transition was seamless and he also said that this model would only work in churches that already had a foundation for shared leadership like we have here, but it would never work in a senior pastor type church. I'd never really heard of it, but I was intrigued. Larry told me that his role is still teaching pastor, and Larry has always been kind of the CFO of the church, and Larry continues to function in that role. So uh, I brought all this to the elders and we were all intrigued and wanted to know more. So we set up a conference call with Larry and he told the elders what he told me. And uh, the elders were able to ask all kinds of questions and we learned a lot from that meeting. And so we decided to adopt the partner model. Now, you understand that's just a, an illustration of, of uh, it's simply a way to talk about succession in a way that's not like the senior pastor steps down and he never comes back kind of thing. And so we decided to adopt that model and, and, and begin a search. So we started praying and asking the Spirit to lead us to someone that we could bring on board as a partner who would one day become managing partner, in our language, the directional leader, and I would stay on as teaching pastor, and I currently also serve as mission pastor, and I would continue to carry out those responsibilities and other responsibilities. Again, I'm thinking the other responsibilities would be this residency program, and this would be the way that we could finally get the whole thing up and going, and that would be a key role for me. And by the way, some of you might be thinking, well, uh, I thought Jim Thompson would be the next guy. And uh, well, over the years of Jim being on our staff team and working closely with Jim, it's been clear to us and clear to Jim that God has uniquely gifted him and wired him for the role he currently has within the church. Jim loves what he's doing. He's in his sweet spot. And frankly, he has zero interest in doing what I do. And as we move forward into the future, we'll continue to need his teaching gifts and the biblical theological subwoofer that he brings to this ministry. So there's a, 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 a still a great future for Jim. And uh, now, as I mentioned, um, I had been meeting with Jason Malone on a regular basis, and we had been talking about the residency program. And you know, I, and I'd also told him you know, like what the elders had talked about in terms of succession. And, 
I, I, I explained how we were gonna adopt this partner model and, and as we're talking about it, one day he asked me, he says, has my name ever come up? And I said, well, matter of fact, it's come up twice and I killed it both times. <laughs> and I said, I said, you don't wanna leave Summit, do you? And he said, I'd be open to praying about it if the Lord is stirring something up. And uh, a big reason that he was open to it is because uh, Summit has such high quality leadership in place. And uh, so we talked a little bit more about that. So I decided to bring his name back to the elders as a potential candidate. Now, you got to realize, I got to push pause right here because there was more going on in my mind and heart than I just told you. You see, at the end of the Zoom call with Larry Osborne about succession, Todd Milby had facilitated a discussion with the elders, helping us think about uh, different kinds of leaders and different kinds of lead pastors. And he listed four categories of lead pastors on the whiteboard, and, and basically those were visionary, teacher, pastor, administrator, something like that. Leaders who grow the vision, leaders who grow the truth, leaders who grow people, and leaders who grow the organization, something like that. And like, like Walt Hanford, the pastor who was here for 31 years before me, Walt was more of the pastor-type leader. Larry Osborne is more of the administrative-type leader. I'm more of the teacher-type leader, and someone like Jason Malone is more of a visionary-type leader. And I had assumed... Um, and this is kind of the reason I killed it, but I had assumed that the next guy would be, should be, like me, and I'm more of a teacher, visionary leader. But I had already been thinking, but if I stay and I continue in my role as a teaching pastor, then maybe the next guy needs to be a visionary slash teacher kind of leader, a strong teacher, but even more of a visionary leader than me. And I had told the elders on several occasions that in, in thinking about the future, we need someone who can take the church farther than I've taken it. Like Walt Hanford took the church farther than all of those who came before him. I took the church farther than Walt. And, and we need someone who can take the church farther than me. So I was already sensing that maybe the next guy needs to be more of the visionary type leader, even though I hadn't thought in these exact terms until uh, Todd led this discussion using those categories. So I brought Jason's name to the elders, which prompted lots of discussion and prayer. And uh, so we decided to bring Jason in to talk. Now this was back in October of last year. It was a great meeting that went on for about two hours. And when we were done, and after Jason left, we were all just kind of sitting there staring at each other. We kind of pushed back from the table. And I sensed that God had done something that night. It seemed to me that God had brought us to one mind in one meeting. And that had only happened one other time in the 25 years that I've been here. And that was when we had an elder and pastor retreat. And during a time of prayer, the prayers shifted to the church and the school, Southside Christian School. At that time, the church and Southside Christian were one ministry occupying one building, the building on Woodruff Road. Well, at the end of that prayer time, 
uh, we all, 100% of the elders and pastors, and that means since the Spirit leading us to separate the church and school and to launch the school out into a broader community ministry, and it was truly a God moment that none of us expected to happen. We went into that meeting never thinking we were going to come out of that meeting thinking the way we were doing. Well, that night back in October, it was obvious that something was, was going on. And so I asked the elders, I said, has God done something unique tonight? Like I'm wondering, has God brought us to one mind about bringing Jason on staff here with a view to him eventually becoming the directional leader? And every man in the room sensed the spirit leading in that direction. But there were a couple of things that had been on our elder agenda for quite some time, months and months, that we never had actually settled. Then we decided we needed to talk about those things, which would give us more time to pray before we actually took an official uh, vote. Uh, but still, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit to move in that direction. And so we took care of that business. Um, well, Jason, Jason went back to uh, Summit and he presented the idea, this whole idea to his elders and they prayed about it. And 100% of the elders at Summit sensed the Spirit leading in this way as well. So God was stirring up something, something that none of us had been looking for, but God was showing us where he was working so that we could join him there. Now in that October meeting, while we were discussing the residency program and succession, I had another aha moment. As I listened to Jason talk about his heart for the upstate, because you see from the very beginning of launching Summit, Jason had a vision much larger than that. He had a vision for something called Summit Upstate, which would be a collective of churches working together to plant churches and repurpose churches. Um, but that Summit Upstate never materialized and, and, uh, and it, for various reasons. And so he was talking about his heart for the Upstate. And while he was talking about that, I was thinking about something else. I was thinking, how in the world is this going to work? Like, how in the world is he going to sell this whole idea to Summit? For, I mean, for sure, the one thing we didn't want to happen was put some kind of rift between fellowship and Summit. And so, as I was listening to Jason and wondering about, about all this, I had what I believe was a spirit-prompted aha moment, and I sensed very strongly, and this was the sentence that came into my mind, the only way this is going to work is if Jason is the point man in the residency program. Jason needed to be in the driver's seat, and that meant I had to let go of what I thought would be my future role as the director, director of the residency program. And I'm telling you, it was so clear to me that in that moment, I was like, okay, God, I get it, let's do it. And I let go of it. And I had a tremendous peace at that point in time, and I still do. And uh, so, so I, in, in subsequent meetings, uh, I shared all this with the elders because you see now the two streams are starting to, starting to come together. And it was all nailed down and voted on in our December elders meeting. And it was also officially affirmed by the elders of Summit, uh, meaning that 100% of the elders at Fellowship and 100% of the elders at Summit 
We're all on board, sensing the Spirit leading in all of this. And then, after Jason preached here in January, I was home and, and I was sick that day, but after I watched the service online, I texted Rob Marks and I said, we gotta nail down a timeline. We already know we're gonna do this, and if we don't nail down a timeline, months will go by and we just won't be doing anything. And so, that's what we did. Over the last three and a half months, Jason and Kyle Estep, who will step in as directional leader at Summit, Jason, Kyle, me, Rob, and Todd Milby, we hammered out the timeline, bringing more and more people on board with what's going on month by month, happened in both churches, all of it uh, culminating on this Sunday, April 18th, where Jason and I are making this announcement in both churches. So as, as I'm telling you, he's telling, he's telling Summit. And just like years ago, uh, when, when God brought us to one mind in one meeting, when we started taking steps to separate the church and the school, back then, I prayed that God would make his spirits leading so clear that 100% of church leadership and 100% of school leadership would sense that God was in this and that he would bring us all to unity and 100% of the church and 100% of the school leadership would be on board. And I prayed for that and it happened. 40 different leaders, church and school, were all unified around this common vision of launching the school out as its own uh, separate uh, ministry. And, and I, I was praying the same thing uh, in this instance. And over the last three and a half months, as the elders and then the pastors and then the staff and then other leaders have been brought into the circle of knowledge, it's been really exciting to see 100% of all those who have heard this vision in both churches, they've affirmed, affirmed it as well. So God has brought us all to one mind and one heart and uh, there's nothing more exciting than really sensing that God has been working and he's made you a partner in his work. So, so um, these two streams, the residency program and succession, they came together in one stream with Jason coming on staff here at Fellowship Greenville. Now, if you were here on January 3rd, you heard Jason preach, uh, a f no, not, yeah, that picture. Uh, Jason preach uh, a phenomenal message. Uh, it was a New Year's message, and he preached it out of James chapter one, and I, I had heard him do that message. I went to the soft opening of, of Summit's uh, new campus in, in uh, Simpsonville, and I said, you gotta come preach that message to our church. It's a great New Year's message, and so um, he came and did that, and uh, so, and a lot of you know him, but if you don't, this is Jason. Here's Jason's family. That's Jen on Jason's right and his two girls, uh, Caroline and Kate. And Jason will join our staff team on August the 9th. And his official title will be Visionary slash Spiritual Formation Pastor. In other words, his outside the wall ministry will be getting the collective up and running and his inside the walls responsibility will be overseeing discipleship and developing leaders as well 
as overseeing group life and giving direction to our new community group pastor, Zach Rigsby, who's coming on board this month, and we've been looking for a community group pastor for a long time, so we're all excited about that. Yep. So, uh, Zach's gonna be working with Jason. My role will not change. I'll continue to do what I'm doing right now. I'll continue to function as directional leader and teaching pastor and mission pastor, because remember, The biggest problem with getting the residency program up and running for both me and Jason has been, how do we do a church planting residency program with everything else going on? And so the way that we can do that now is by Jason taking the lead role in the collective and me continuing to do what I'm doing. The plan is, Lord willing, that two and a half years from this coming August, January 2024, the elders will present Jason, uh, to, to the church to be voted on by the church as the next directional leader. And at that time, he will become the managing partner and I will be a partner. And my title will, be, will simply be teaching pastor, teaching slash mission pastor. I'll continue uh, to preach and I'll continue to do a lot of the things that I do now, uh, just like Larry Osborne has done at North Coast. So why are we doing that? So Jason can continue to move the vision of the collective forward as well as overseeing discipleship and leadership development. And so uh, I know this is something that no one has ever heard of, like I had not heard of it before, but um, but, uh, Larry Larry Osborne and Chris Brown have done it North Coast, it's gone very well, and my friend Chris Brown, who I mentioned, Chris Dolson that I mentioned earlier, he stepped down or stepped aside at the end of last year and his second teaching pastor, Matt Metzger, has become the managing partner there and Chris is gonna be a partner and that's going really, really well. And I tell you, I tell you, this whole process has filled me with wonder and awe at how God works in ways beyond our imagination. I mean, it truly has been a pneumatic, spirit-led decision-making process. And so we've turned the corner now from what could be to what will be. And again, for me and the elders and staff here and for the elders at Summit and staff there, it's all very exciting. But here's the deal. It's not just exciting. It is urgent. It is the need of the hour. A couple years ago, uh, during our exile series in First and Second Peter and then following it up in Daniel, I was asking a question, a question that I consider to be the question in looking to the future, and that question was this. Knowing that our children and grandchildren will be growing up in a world very different from the world that most of us grew up in, How do we need to prepare them to live out their faith in that world? Because the way we've done it for the last 50 years isn't gonna cut it. And uh, if we don't have, listen, if we don't have an answer to that question, the dropout rate in our churches and the number of kids and young adults who will chuck their faith and get sucked in to the world system that's crouching at the door will be higher than ever before. 
And this is an ongoing discussion amongst our pastors and amongst our children staff and our student staff. And we've got some things that we're gonna roll out where we're gonna, we're gonna start doing some things differently. And I'm very excited about that. You'll hear more about that later on. But what I've talked about this morning, this residency program, this collective is gonna play a key role in the future that's coming. Because you see, for the most part, Bible colleges and seminaries, as good and necessary as, and helpful as they are, most of them have not changed the way they tra train young leaders for 50 years or more. And it is essential that churches like ours and churches like Summit, churches that God has given places of influence, it's essential that we take the mandate of 2 Timothy 2.2 seriously. You say, what is that? Well, Paul is writing to a young pastor. He's a preacher mentoring a preacher, and he tells Timothy, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these things to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. That's been one of my life verses all the way back to my days in the Navigator Discipleship Ministry at Florida State. It is the pastor's role, a pastor's role. It is the church's role to raise up the next generation of church leaders with the character and the competencies that can sustain them for lifelong ministry. And that is needed now more than ever as the church looks at a, at faces a dark, uncertain future, a future where the followers of Jesus will feel more and more ex, like exiles and outsiders in, in this country. And we absolutely have to prepare the next generation to advance the gospel in that future. So will you join me in taking that future seriously? Will you join us in taking steps to raise up the next generation to advance the gospel into these dark, uncharted waters? You see, my prayer is that we will all sense the burden and the tremendous need and the opportunity, opportunities that lay ahead and that we will be unified as we step into the future that God has in store for us. And I'm very excited about all that. Now, I'm sure that you got a lot of questions about all this, and if you email us these questions, send your emails to rmarks at fellowshipgreenville.org. That's Rob Marks. Now, you can send them to me too, but here, here's the thing. I, depending on how many emails we get, we may not answer your emails. We may not answer all the questions. But what we will do is we'll collect all the questions, and, uh, and in a future document, when we give you more specific details about the collective and how things are, are unfolding, we will put your questions with answers together in that document, and uh, we'll make sure that you get it at that time. So... I'm gonna ask uh, Chris Corley, our chairman of the elders, to come up, and uh, he's gonna say a few words, and then he is going to close us in prayer. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs>
Well, if you feel like you just sat through a whirlwind, that's what it's like. Go ahead and adjust your hair, get everything set. I have to say, I so appreciate, and I know a lot of you do too, the leadership that Charlie has shown here at Fellowship. <laughs> And I'm sure that you have set to memory all of the names <laughs> that he mentioned through his message. And so we're going to have a quiz on that on your way out, and you can eat after that. Um, the, the elders have been walking along this path with Charlie and Rob and the other leaders that are here at the church. And for... And it's been years that we've been asking different questions and not feeling like we were getting the answers. And you know how you get restless and you want God to answer something, it doesn't come? And I feel like in the last year, all of those questions have come to a, an answer. God said, not now, not now, not now. He's not ready. He's not ready. Okay, let's do it this way. And so I'm excited about this. I think this is something that our community needs, our world needs, our kids need, our grandkids need. And, um, and then along with that, we have a plan for continuing what we're doing here in our community and in this church. So let me pray for us. Father, you are a kind and loving and patient God to us. And um, I, I just can't believe all the ways that you're working and in so many lives and so many people to bring things together that we can't even imagine. Thank you for the leaders that are represented through all of this, for the many outside voices that have been in this, and then for this church body and the way that they're involved in furthering the gospel in our community and our world. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.